This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. Tonight will be our vision night service. I'm going to, to share with you the, uh, the theme for the new year, if you haven't figured it out already. Uh, this year is trust in the Lord. It comes from Psalm 37. We'll take a look at that. If you want to go ahead and turn there in your Bible, you can do that. Uh, Psalm 37 this morning. We'll take a look at this over the next three weeks, and uh, then we'll jump back into the book of Romans at the beginning of February as well. I want to encourage you to be here for tonight, though. Tonight is our vision night service. We're going to take a look at how this theme impacts our church over the next 12 months. What does this mean for us together, collectively, as a church? How do we apply this not only to our our lives individually, but together corporately as the body of Christ? What does this mean to us? We'll take a look at that tonight. I would tell you, if you can only make one service today, tonight is the one that you should come to, for sure. Uh, Like... (laughs) If you can only make it to one service tonight, make it tonight. And so uh, be here tonight at 5 o'clock. I know for a fact you'll be helped. Uh, we've got a lot of great resources we're going to put in your hands t- tonight to help you to uh, walk with Jesus better than you ever have before this year. Uh, also, we have some announcements that will only be announced tonight uh, that impact our church. And so I want to encourage you, be here tonight at 5 o'clock for an outstanding service uh, together. Uh, before we jump into the message today, I just want to review some of the themes from previous years that we've had. Uh, and as I share these themes, if you, if you were here for that year, I want you to, to raise your hand. Uh, 2014, our theme was follow Jesus. If you were here for that one, raise your hand for that one. All right, we got like six of us, all right? Uh, 2015 was God is able. If you were here for that one, raise your hand. Ooh, that's good. A couple more. Uh, 2016, steadfast, unmovable, always abounding. Ooh, good, good, good. Uh, 2017, transform. Hey, you've got a lot more. Uh, 2018, alive together. If you remember that one, raise your hand. Good. Uh, 2019, launch out. 2020, magnify Jesus. 2021, bold as a lion. 2022, sure and steadfast. This should be the majority of us. 2023, trust in the Lord. Oh, that was a trick question. Everybody should have their hand up. John, your hand's not up back there. What are you doing? Oh, thank you. John's still trying to figure out whether he's here or not. And so... Uh, just a little confused, that's all. Uh, but uh, anyways, the idea behind having a yearly theme is being able to look back at a point in time and go, ooh, I remember that. I, I remember where I was at. I remember what God was doing in my life. I remember uh, just the growth that I saw in that time, which is kind of a, uh, just a, a marker, if you will, a, a mile marker in your life where you can look back and just see the things that God's done in your life. And so uh, this theme this year, I think, is going to be outstanding for our church as we walk by faith uh, because faith always honors God. Uh, turn your Bibles to Psalm 37 this morning. If you're not there already, Psalm 37. Psalm 37, we're going to start in verse number 1 and read through verse number 5. Our theme verse this year comes from uh, verse number 5, but we'll read verses 1 through 5 this morning for the sake of context. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. They shall soon be cut down like grass, and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good, so thou shalt dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. 
Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. I'm not sure what you've got going on in the next 12 months, but again, I can assure you with 100% certainty, God is faithful. Uh, you, this will be so much easier for you over the next 12 months and really over the course of the rest of your life if you will just learn day by day, day in, day out, to trust in the Lord. Jesus tells us this in the, in the Gospels and the Sermon on the Mount. He says, none of you by worrying can add an inch to your stature. Nobody can do it. Uh, nobody by worrying can change your hair from one color to another. God is capable to do all of those things. And so we just need to trust in him. So he says this, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to take care of itself. I just need you to focus on today. And so today we just need to trust in the Lord. This uh, psalm that we find here, while there's great encouragement in verses 4 and 5 here, you also can't forget that verses 1 and 2, that this psalm was written in a time of great difficulty, a time of great trial, uh, a time of uncertainty, if you will. Uh, look, if you, if you got your next 12 months planned out and nothing's going to move out of what you have planned, I'm thankful for you because I haven't figured that one out yet. Uh, because we know this, we can plan as much as we want to, but at the end of the day, God's going to do what God's going to do. And so you and I just have to learn to trust in the Lord. This starts first from having a, a proper perspective. Uh, again, verse number four is a great promise. This is a verse that you should circle, star, underline in your Bible. You should commit it to memory. I've shared this with so many people over the years. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And so if we're going to have a right perspective, my heart has to be pointed the right direction first. The Lord has to be my delight. He has to be my joy. He has to be my pleasure. Unfortunately for many Christians today, the Lord isn't the source of their delight. They don't find a lot of great pleasure in the Lord. I remember uh, even as a, as a kid, not wanting to go to church. Uh, like, oh, do I have to go to church? Can we stay home? And I would always gripe with my parents. And 100 times out of 100, we were going to church anyways. I just went with a bad attitude. Now, that's understandable for a teenager whose heart is not right. That's not understandable for an adult whose heart is not right. Uh, if you call yourself a Christian, you should delight in the things of God. Amen. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse number 29, And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always the things that please him. So if you want to be like Jesus, Jesus said, Hey, there's only one thing I do. And that's what pleases my father, 100%. So if you and I will be Christ-like this year, and I highly encourage you to do that, you need to have one goal and one goal only. I only want to do the things that please my father. Now, if you look at verse number four in our text here this morning, that might seem a little bit backwards to you because you're saying like, hey, I want God to give me the desires of my heart. But you have to understand that this is a conditional promise, if you will. Um, so many times the, the Bible is full of uh, unconditional promises that are to everyone. And then there's conditional promises, meaning if you keep your end of the bargain, God's going to keep his end of the promise that he, he gives us. 
So many times when we uh, either install software on our computer or we uh, uh, read something or you, you go to the airport to rent a car or something like that, there's the terms and conditions, right? We usually blow past those and hit the, the accept button so we can move on with our life, right? So many times we uh, rent a car, you initial here, 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 and here. Most of the time we don't read those, but we should because we should know what we're getting into. You can't expect God to give you the desires of your heart if you don't first delight yourself in him. You're getting the cart before the horse. We get ourselves into trouble as Christians, and this is the mess that the world has gotten themselves into, is that they don't pursue God, they pursue the desires of their heart. And then they wonder why they're disappointed, wonder why they didn't get what they wanted, wonder why they got what they wanted, but they don't want what they got. Because you go after the stuff instead of you going after the source of the delight, and that's the Lord. And so again, if you want God's blessings on your life, you have to pursue God first and foremost. And we have to live a life that pleases Him. I have to stop asking myself the question, what do I want to do? What do I think is best? And I have to ask myself this question. What would God have me to do? And according to God's word, what is best? And you cannot go wrong by asking yourself that type of question. We need to find pleasure as Christians in the presence of God. Psalm 1611 is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. And I guess if I had a, a life verse, it's definitely my favorite verse. It would be Psalm 1611. It says, Thou will show me the path of life. At thy, in thy presence is fullness of joy, and that, uh, the, at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 1611 tells us this. If you want joy, direction, peace, uh, and, and God's blessing, it's found one place and one place only, and that's in the presence of God. Now, you and I can't go up to heaven and sit in the throne room of God. We'll get there one day, but we're not there yet. So to be in God's presence now, what does that look like for us? That looks like for you and I to be in the word of God, God speaking to us through his word. Uh, the Bible tells us in uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 that every word is breathed out by God. And so uh, by spending time in the word of God, you're literally in the presence of God. If you're saved, if you've been born again inside of you, you have the Holy Spirit of God, which helps you to understand the word of God. It convicts your heart of sin when you've, you're not living in accordance to the word of God. God wants us to communicate back to him what's on our heart, and so we do that through prayer. And so through prayer and Bible reading and, and worship of God, we find ourselves in the presence of God. Now, now worship is not just a, a portion of the service where we sing to God, although that could be considered corporate worship for sure. But worship is whenever I take what's going on in my heart and communicate that back to God, when I stand in awe and reverence and recognition of who he is in light of who I am, that's an act of worship as well. And every Christian should be involved in daily personal worship of God. Man, you should listen to worship music. You should sing to God every single day. You should pray and praise God every single day. You should make a list of all the good things that God's done for you. You should be a voracious reader of God's word and everything that you read, you should apply it to your life and you should seek to walk in wisdom every single day for the rest of your life. That's living in the presence of God. And man, that's where the good stuff is found. You see, I, I worry for Christians who don't want to spend time in the presence of God. Oh, pastor, life's so busy right now, I just don't have time to read my Bible and pray. Uh, you get the same 24 hours that everybody else does. You just have to make it a priority. It's not a matter of I don't have 
It's not a matter of can or can't. It's a matter of will or won't. I won't spend time in God's Word today. I won't pray today. I won't allow God's Word to change me today. Not not a matter of like I can or I don't have time. Just we don't prioritize it. I think it grieves me as a pastor, and I know it grieves the heart of God to see Christians spend hours and hours and hours on social media and television and uh, watching things like that, yet spend so little time with God and have no desire for the things of God. David says that he had a hunger and a thirst after God. He tells us in Psalm 63, verse number one, O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Hey, I want God like a guy stranded in the middle of the desert searching for water. That's how I'm searching for God in my life. That's how much I crave him. That's how much I desire him. And it worries me for Christians who don't want to spend time in the presence of God. So we gotta find pleasure there. We have to find pleasure in the things of God. I would just ask you this question this morning. Do you desire spiritual things? If the answer to that is no, I would be greatly concerned for your heart right now. It worries me to see Christians who aren't involved in corporate worship and singing in church. Now, again, I, I realize some of us are introverts and we might feel awkward and, uh, you know, it's kind of weird. Maybe I don't know this song or maybe something like that. I get that. But at some point, we have to get past that and say, I just want to communicate to God what's going on in my heart. Man, if I don't know the song, uh, I'll make up a tune and sing it because I identify with the words that I hear. That when we hear solid doctrinal music, our heart cries out together with that. Uh, we had a uh, church event yesterday at the uh, Hawaii Pacific University men's basketball game. We had a, a blast there. Uh, I don't know, probably 100 or so of us there cheering on basketball. And uh, the, the officiating was actually really good, so I didn't get to yell at the refs a lot yesterday. Uh, and so <laughs> it didn't stop me from yelling, though. And so by the end of the night, no lie, I had no voice left. And so here's, here's my plan. Man, I'm going to do the whole honey and, and tea this morning. I did that. I'm going to rest my voice. I'm going to get hydrated. I'm going to drink a lot of water. I'm not going to sing a lot in the, the first surface. I'm not going to sing a lot. Um, and so I'm just going to like dial it back and, and protect my voice because I've got to speak three times today. Man, I'm telling you this, we got to, to like shout to the Lord and it's just like, oh man, I can't hold back on that, right? Nothing compares to the promise that I have in Jesus Christ. Like that's as good as it gets. And I was just like, okay, you got to dial it back. You can't, you can't just like let it rip like that. Like, oh, we're going to sing living hope. You know, it's just like, oh my word, you know, uh, hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Like I can't hold back on that. And so uh, and it's like, okay, we shake hands. Like I'm not even going to sing for the rest of I'm just going to sit in the back and drink water. And then we hear. Uh, you know, yet not I, but Christ in me. It's just like, oh my goodness. Like, I had to sing. I couldn't stop singing. Why? Because my heart was so drawn to the truth that I was hearing. And I was thinking about how that plays out in my life every single day. And I think about, and shout to the Lord, nothing compares to the promise that I have in you. And I was shamed of the fact of the times that I've chosen the things of this world over the things of Jesus and how they don't even compare to the things that I find in Jesus Christ. And then I was overwhelmed by the grace of God that he's forgiven all of that shame and I don't have to carry it any longer. And now I can just sing that song with great joy, knowing the goodness of God. And, and man, just overwhelmed with that. I'm concerned with a Christian who feels nothing, just like flatline. 
can't just sit in the back. I'm like, hey, I think I'm going to grab a cup of coffee. I'm going to sit and drink that. And I'm going to look around. It's like, oh, is that a new T-shirt over there in the bookstore while everybody's singing? Uh, and have no desire for spiritual things. They can hear the preaching of God's word, and it doesn't really affect them whatsoever. They just might be the same as sitting down and watching the news uh, on a Tuesday night. You know, no, no heart change whatsoever. I'm concerned about that because you should desire spiritual things. You should desire the word of God. You should desire fellowship with other Christians. Uh, you should desire to show the fruit of the Spirit to other people uh, who come here to Huikala for the first time. First time guests should feel love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. They should feel the Spirit at work here through us. And if you say, like, yeah, none of that interests me at all, I'd be greatly concerned about your heart. Because we should desire spiritual things. Psalm 108, verse number 2, Awake, psaltery, and harp. I will awake early, and I will praise thee, O Lord, among thy people, and I will sing praises unto thee among the nations. Oh, man, when I wake up, man, boom, first thing on my mind is God and his goodness, and I think about praising God, and I think about singing together with God, and I think about singing together with other believers from where? From all throughout the world. I mean, uh, today is Sunday. Historically, throughout the church over the last 2,000 years, we've gathered together on Sunday to worship Jesus Christ, our risen Savior. There's people all over the world today that are gathered together to worship Jesus. I get to go to church and be a part of the body of Christ to worship my Savior today. What a gift, as opposed to like, oh, I don't want to go to church today. Maybe I'll just catch it online. And again, there might be times for that. You're sick or you're not able to make it or you got an appointment or something like that. I get it. That should not be the norm of our heart. We should crave, we should desire, we should find pleasure in spiritual things. And so the first thing we're told in verse number four uh, is delight thyself in the Lord. Next we see in verse number five, commit thy way unto the Lord when it says thy way, it's not just necessarily talking about, uh, you know, a certain decision that you got to make or something like that. While that definitely applies, he's really talking about committing your whole life fully unto the Lord. Hey, I'm going to put my life completely in God's hands. And there's a place where all of this begins, and it begins at the moment of your salvation. You see, you and I were not automatically children of God. You and I were not automatically part of the family of God, although the, God is the creator of all things. You and I, the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, were born as enemies of God because of our sin. The Bible says that we come forth from our mother's womb speaking lies, and from the moment we're born into this world, we're born into our sin. And we can't stop sinning if we wanted to. It's part of our nature, it's part of our DNA, it's part of who we are. And because of that, it's created distance between us and God because we have sinned against the holy God. And because of that, God will always keep us at an arm's length because he cannot be in the presence of sin. So you and I have a problem in the fact that God is estranged from us and we are estranged from God. But the problem also is not only are we at, at odds with God, there's a penalty, a, a consequence that must be paid for our sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Because we've sinned against God, we're going to die one day, not only a physical death, but we're going to die spiritually, and we're going to be separated from God for all of eternity. That's what we deserve because we've sinned against God. 
That place of separation is a place called hell. It burns with real fire for all of eternity. There's no second chances. There's no getting out. You couldn't pray someone out of hell if you wanted to. You yourself, if you should you go to hell, will have no other opportunity other than to stay there and pay the penalty of your sin. Now, that sounds terrible because it is. And God's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. God doesn't want you to die and go to hell. And so he sent his son Jesus to die in your place. Jesus came, lived a perfectly sinless life, went to the cross for one purpose and one purpose only, and that was to pay for my sin and yours. And so Jesus hung there upon the cross. The Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin for us, that you and I might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus came to pay the penalty, price, and consequences of our sin. You and I were supposed to be punished. Jesus was punished in our place. You and I were supposed to endure the wrath of God. He took upon himself the wrath and anger of God in our place. You and I were supposed to die. He died for us. But here's the most important thing in all of the world. You must make a decision for yourself to believe that and receive that. 100% on you. There has to be a time, a date, a place where you put your faith and trust in Jesus because Jesus says in John chapter 3, verse number 3, no man shall see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. You need to be saved. That word saved is the same thing as being born again. There has to be a time in your life where you've been saved. If you say, Pastor, I'm not really sure if I've ever been saved before. Good. Today is your opportunity to be saved. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died for my sins. I believe that he's the only way to heaven. I believe that he rose again the third day, and I'm asking him to save me and forgive me of my sin. If you would be willing to confess your faith in Jesus today and turn from your sin and turn to Christ, you could be saved and born again today. You don't have to walk an aisle. You don't have to be baptized. You don't have to join a church. You don't have to become a Baptist. You don't have to come back to church every Sunday. You just need to believe that and receive it. If you've never done that before, you need to do that today. That's really the beginning of everything. You'll never know the goodness of God. You'll never know the delight of God. You'll never know pleasure and joy that comes from God unless you first know him as your Savior. That's where everything really begins for you and I. But after that, then we've got to be willing to fully surrender our entire life to him. My life no longer belongs to me. I've been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. I belong to him. It's no matter what I want to do. It's a matter of what he wants me to do. And again, it goes back to, I, I want to do that because I delight in God. His plans for me are better than the plans that I can make for myself. And so when we fully give God our heart and our minds... He gives us his peace. <laughs> you see, you and I still want to be in charge of things so many times in our lives. I'm guilty of that at, from time to time too. I want to keep my hands on the wheel and I want to make sure that I've got the opportunity to override God's plan anytime I, I deem it necessary. I remember when I was a kid, I used to see this bumper sticker on people's cars. It says, Jesus is my co-pilot. Hey, Jesus isn't my co-pilot. Jesus is my pilot. Like, I'm flying coach in the back, right? I'm not even like first, you know, first whatever they call the guy that sits in the other chair. I'm not even that guy. I'm not even sitting in first class. I'm like in the, I'm, I'm in coach. I'm by the bathroom in the seats that don't recline, right? <laughs> like, 
Like, how arrogant to be like, oh, I'm flying this thing and Jesus is over here as my co-pilot in case I need him. That's like the height of arrogance, right? Like, no, no, no. I'm not in control of a single solitary thing in my life. I'm just along for the ride and I do what I'm told. I put up my tray table when I'm told. I, I lift my, uh, you know, little window thingy over here when they tell me to. I, I'm just along for the ride and I do what I'm told. Now, for some of us that maybe at times desire control, that might be a little bit uncomfortable. Hey, I need to call the shots. I need to be in charge. Friend, if you've ever been in charge and called the shots for your life, you've probably seen where that leads you, right? Hey, I need somebody smarter than me, better than me, more powerful than me, who is able to work on my behalf, and that is God. And so when we fully give ourselves over to him, he takes control and gives us a peace Proverbs 16.3 says, commit thy works unto the Lord and all thy thoughts shall be established. You see, I'm going to give God my hopes, my dreams, my goals, my aspirations, my desires, and I'm going to set that all to the side and say, hey God, here's what I want, but what do you want? Hey God, I'm committing my way, my entire life to you. You're in charge 100%. Tell me what I'm supposed to do. And the great news is, is that God will give you wisdom and direction and discernment when you do that. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not at your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And what? He'll direct your path. That's a promise. And so here we see again and again and again through Scripture, as you and I try to clutch on to control, you and I try to clutch on to uh, whatever it is has to offer, we'll find that we're only going to get what we can get. But when we relinquish control to God, we commit our ways to Him, and He is our source of pleasure and delight, God says, oh yeah, I'm in charge now. Step back and see what I can do. When we give our lives to submission to God, we place the burden on Him. (laughs) This can be a very, very liberating place to be if you do it properly. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 7 says, we can cast our care upon the Lord because he cares for us. Uh, that word cast means to literally take off your burden and place it on him. And in this, uh, our text this morning, verse number um, 5, commit thy way unto the Lord. The, the word commit there in the Hebrew, which is what the Old Testament was written in, literally means to roll a burden off of one's, oneself. And so I'm, I'm literally taking the burden of life off of me and I'm placing 100% on God. Here's the problem with that. I've run into problems with this in the past. You're probably way more spiritual than I am, so this has never happened to you. I say, hey, my burden, I'm going to leave it here with the Lord, and I'm just going to step back and let him handle it, right? And then I watch it. Okay, it's not going anywhere. Okay, great. I'll take my burden back because the Lord's not going to do anything with it, and now I'm going to carry it again, right? And then like two or three weeks later, it's like this burden's too heavy. I think I'm just going to lay it down and give it to God. And then I wait like 24 hours. It's like, okay, I guess God doesn't want it, uh, to carry it, so I'll pick it back up again. And we go through this process where I'm willing to give my burden to God, but only a little bit at a time, because if he doesn't do something, I've got to do something with it. But when I place my burden upon the Lord, I can place it and I can turn around and leave it because that's not my burden anymore. It's the Lord's. And guess what? He can handle it. He doesn't need my help. He doesn't need my assistance. 
If he does, he'll let me know exactly what I'm supposed to do. But I don't have to carry that anymore because I've committed it to the Lord. And hey, here's the thing. When you walk in righteousness, that means doing the right thing. When you walk in faith, I believe that God is good to his promises and he's good to his word. Then you can give that burden to the Lord and it just releases you of any anxiety because you're like, hey, I don't know what's going to happen with that situation, but frankly, I don't care because God's in charge of it. Well, what if things don't go your way? It's not about my way. Whatever way it happens is whatever way the Lord wanted it to happen. Because it's, you know, get this, it's not my burden anymore. Whatever happens with that is what happens. Well, what if something bad happens? If something bad happens, it's the Lord, and I have to trust that God is always good, and he knows what's working for my good and for his glory, and I'm just going to trust him. Even though what I might perceive to be as bad, God perceives to be as good. And I just got to trust that. And I'm telling you, it'll bring you to such a place of peace. I shared this story before with my daughter, McKeeley, back in the beginning of 2021. uh, was hospitalized, really, really close. We thought we were going to lose her. um, Had this infection. They couldn't figure out what it was for almost a week. And they were pumping her full of antibiotics. And she was in the ICU. And it was was just bad. I mean, she was unconscious for days at a time. And uh, it was just bad, bad, bad. But Angela and I, in the very beginning, had made a decision. There's nothing in the world that we can do to change her health situation. She's surrounded with some of the best doctors in the entire world. They know exactly what they're doing. They train for moments like this. We're going to pray. We're going to commit this to the Lord. And then we're just not going to worry about it anymore. At all. And, and no lie. We didn't worry. Were we concerned? Absolutely. We're parents. Of course we're concerned. Were we worried? Were we anxious? No, not really. You know why? Because we had to commit it to the Lord. Hey, we can't change anything with her health by worrying. We can't, you know, force anything to happen on our behalf. I'm telling you, though, had I not given that to the Lord, I'm going to know, okay, give me the list of every single doctor who's on this team. I want to know where they went to school, who they trained under, how long they've been on the job. You know, I don't want anybody here with less than X amount of experience and things like that. But here's the crazy thing. I mean, we had, had people coming in and they're just like, oh, you know, I'm a, I'm a student resident, you know, at UH. It's just like, oh, that's cute, you know. Uh, <laughs> but frankly, I don't care because my daughter's life is not in your hands. It's in the Lord's hands. And, and man, I just trust him. Well, there's a possibility your daughter could have died. Yes. And you know what I would have done had my daughter died? I would have trusted God. You say, well, that sounds really harsh. Hey, Job had that way back in the day. He said, though the Lord slay me, though God take my life, I'm still going to trust him. What would cause you to lose faith in God? Is there something that, that is so great that you could give to God that you wouldn't get your way, that you'd lose your faith in God? If so, you should examine that because that's what the Bible calls idolatry. Hey, I trust God with every single area of my life, and because of that, I can live pretty burden-free. Because all I have to do is wake up every single day, spend time in the presence of God, walk in the spirit of God, do things commanded by the word of God, and everything else is just going to work itself out. And I can trust him. And so when we do that, that takes that burden and it places it upon God, and he wants to bear your burden. God desires every part of us to be committed to him. We have to give him our faith, but we also have to give him our doubts. This is where Christians get tripped up sometimes in the fact that many times we're not fully honest with God. 
In other words, we hold back on God. We feel it wrong or inappropriate to tell God that we don't have very much faith. Hey, God, I know you said you're going to take care of this situation, but I don't believe you. We feel like, wow, that would be like blasphemous to say that to God. No, no, it's not. It's honest. There's times where we pray and we feel like God's not moving fast enough, and so we get frustrated with God, but we don't let him know that. You should. You should say, God, I'm struggling with patience here because I've asked you to help, and it doesn't look like you're helping. And you say, wow, that's just, that sounds really mean to pray that way. You need to read the Psalms. Because David says, my enemies have surrounded me and they seek my life and you are nowhere to be found. I continue to cry and you don't hear me. How long will I cry and you not answer me? You talk about a guy who just pouring his guts, his doubts, his frustrations out to God. So many times we want to hold back and we want to say, Oh, God, thank you for this situation. And then we get done and we say, amen, we're so frustrated with God. Man, let that frustration out in prayer. God wants to know. Commit all that doubt to him. Hey, God, I'm struggling with faith here. You see that in the apostles. They said to Jesus, hey, increase our faith. We don't have that level of faith that you're talking about. We need more. Could you help us get on that level? Man, just own it. Some of the best prayers you'll ever have in your life is where you're just brutally, brutally honest with God. Hey, God, I'm mad because I didn't get in my way. I'm mad because you haven't given me what I want, but I know that's not right. Would you help me to get my heart right with you? Would you help me to trust in you? Would you take these feelings of anger or frustration away from me because I don't want to carry them any longer. Man, those are some powerful prayers that we have the capability to to pray. But God wants us to commit that to him. Again, we feel like super Christians when we're living by faith and when we feel like losers whenever we struggle with doubt. Hey, commit that doubt to God as well. It's okay He can handle it. And here's the crazy part about it. As you and I think sometimes by withholding from God in our prayers and not saying the things that are on our mind or not saying the things that we really want to say like uh, like God doesn't know. God knows what you're thinking and feeling anyways. Just let it out. Talk to him. He wants to hear it. He doesn't want you to just go through a polite conversation with him when you're struggling with deep spiritual or emotional or, or physical Uh, strife in your life. He wants you to know that. He wants you to release that on him. He wants you to commit your whole life to him. Every part of it. The good, the bad, and the ugly. He wants it. So we see, we delight ourselves in the Lord. We commit our life fully to the Lord. And then we trust in the Lord. God is the object of my pleasure my joy, he's the center of my life. My life completely and totally belongs to him. He's in charge of it 100%. He's not my co-pilot, he's the pilot. He calls the shots, he's the boss. Believe it or not, that's what the word Lord means. He's master, we are slave. We have no rights in and of ourselves because we have a Lord and master who's in charge of our life. And then what do, what's our response to that commitment that we make to the Lord? We just trust in Him. Trust always begins with faith. Let 
Faith is this idea that I can't fully wrap my head around how all this is going to work, but I believe that it is so. Oftentimes in sharing my faith with people, they're like, oh, you know, I'm struggling to put faith in that because I can't see it with my eyeballs. I'm struggling to put faith in, in God because I don't really know how all of this works. Sometimes people say, well, if I could just talk to God himself, like in person, I think that would make all the difference in the world. And I say, it wouldn't. No, I really believe it would. No, it would not. Because God already became a man, sat down at the table and answered any question that anybody wanted to hear. And you know what they did? They put him to death because of it. So again, the idea that you and I are going to be so much more spiritual than them, we got all of our questions answered, and then we'll be able to do it. Here's what Jesus said. Hey, you guys saw me in the flesh and believed. You know who's really blessed? Those who have never seen and then believe. Jesus put an emphasis on, get this, faith and trust. And so we see in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6, the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. You cannot please God with your life unless you are living by faith. Doing what you see, doing what you understand, doing what works in your best interest, doing what is logical for you, that really doesn't please God at all. Living by faith does. And Hebrews eleven six says, but without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. That he is what? That he is who he says that he is. That he's good to his word, that he's good to his promises. And the last part of that verse is also a conditional promise. And he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. All throughout the Bible, the promises of God are this. Hey, just trust me, put me first, and everything else is going to work itself out. 100% of the time. That's the promise of God's word. Uh, I was talking with a guy this past week, and I told him, hey, man, you need to put God first in your life in every area of your life. He said, I don't know how that's going to work out. I said, the good news is you don't have to worry about it. Because here's, here's what Jesus says. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things, they'll be added unto you. Hey, put me first. I'll take care of everything else. That's a promise from the word of God. And so time and time again throughout Scripture, God says, hey, just put me first. I'll take care of the rest of this. And so trust really begins with faith. And if your faith is struggling, you've got to strengthen it. Faith is a muscle and it needs to be exercised. I love what John said this morning. He said, you know, how do we trust God more? By exercising faith. And when you see God come through, it strengthens your faith. And no lie, almost two years ago when my daughter was in the hospital and God restored her health, you know what that did for my faith? It strengthened my faith. It tells me I can trust God. In the darkest days of my life, I can always trust God because he's always faithful. Well, yeah, that's easy for you to say because your daughter lives. Hadn't God taken my daughter to heaven, I would still stand here before you today and say, God is faithful and he strengthened my faith through that time because he's always good. Because you can always trust him. You see, you and I get this idea that God is good and bad. When God gives us what we want, he's good. And when God takes from us what we want, he's bad. That's a gross misunderstanding of the character of God. God is always good. He's always working for his glory and for your good. And so when things appear to be bad or what we did not want, God is still working through that to strengthen you and to strengthen your faith to show you that he's always good. God's never bad. And so 
It's just an opportunity to strengthen our faith. You want stronger faith? Spend time in the Word. Spend time around other Christians. Spend time in prayer. Fill your heart full of Scripture. Meditate on the Word of God. Walk in the Spirit. Step out by faith and watch God prove Himself time and time and time again. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to trust Him at His Word. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how He's proved Himself over and over and over again. I can trust Him because He's just been faithful. My wife and I have been walking with Jesus for over two decades now. And man, you don't have enough time for me to sit down and tell you how faithful God's been for two decades. You just don't have it. I have forgotten the hundreds of ways that God has come through for me. God's been so good to me that I've forgotten so many of the things that he's done. Like I've lost track. I can't count it. But it comes from walking by faith. We trust God through faith. We trust God in daily reliance. This is a day-to-day commitment that we got to make. This is not a Sunday morning commitment that we try to walk out, you know, next Sunday too. This is something that you wake up tomorrow morning and you say, I'm going to trust in God for today, and he's going to take me through the rest of the day. Here's where Christians get messed up. We try to trust God for the next year. And then somewhere along the lines, things get off track. And we treat trusting God like a New Year's resolution by like the second or third uh, week of, of January. You know, it's just like, oh, maybe I'll try again trusting the Lord next year. No, no, no. You're going to trust in the Lord every single solitary day of your life for the rest of your life. Get, it, get, get this, one day at a time. All I'm asking you to do is have full faith and trust in God today. That's it. You don't have to worry about what happens on Thursday. Just focus on today. And tomorrow morning when you wake up, your goal for tomorrow is going to be trust in the Lord for the next 24 hours. I'm going to trust in the Lord today until I go to bed. That's all I got to do. One day at a time. This daily reliance we see all throughout Scripture. Jesus says uh, in the uh, Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Not weekly bread, not monthly bread, but daily. The idea is I have to come back to God for what I need every single day. The Bible tells us that God's mercies are new how often? Every morning. We see the children of Israel when they were wandering in the wilderness. God said, I'm going to feed you with manna from heaven. I'm not going to give you a week's worth of manna though. You're going to have to come back every single day and collect it. With the exception of the Sabbath day. You're going to have to come back every single day because, get this, this is how good God is. I don't want you to forget where your food comes from. Because again, if you're like most of us, we've got a pantry or a cabinet in our house where we have our food and we just go back to it and, and get what we want. Man, I'm going to make myself a peanut butter sandwich. Hey, I'm going to get myself some Doritos. Hey, I'm going to go to the, uh, the fridge and pour myself a glass of tea. And then I'll stop and I'll pray and I'll thank God for my food. But imagine this. I'm going to have to walk out the front door and start looking around for something to eat. And when I find it, I'm going to be like, oh, thank you, God, because this food that I found laying on the ground reminds me that you're going to take care of me. And then I go back out the next day. And I go, whew, found food again for today, just one day at a time. That daily reliance is a thing all throughout Scripture. God never wants you to store up so much that you never have to worry about him. God doesn't want you 
to store your faith up so you're like, oh, I got things this week. But that's how many Christians are, right? We pray for our finances until we get a little bit of money in savings and we don't pray for our finances anymore. We pray when we're short on our rent this month that God will provide, that God will come through, that God will meet that need. But once we got our rent paid and we got a little bit of money in the bank, we don't really need God as much anymore. There's a guy uh, in our church when he first started uh, who had uh, stage four cancer. It was bad, and so he came to church and was super faithful, dug into his walk with God, and was serving here around the church and stuff like that. And then went and had surgery, and I went up there today. We had, he had surgery because he didn't have any family here, and I prayed with him before and I prayed with him afterwards. I sat out in the waiting room the whole time. Uh, I, w- I was the only person who would, would go back and visit him and see how he was doing. My wife went to his apartment and cleaned his apartment, and we got his laundry. We did all his laundry for him, really took care of him through that. He goes back for like his 30-day checkup, and he's just like, I'm 100% cancer-free. And we're like, oh, man, praise God. No lie. Dude never came back to church ever again. (laughs) What happened? Oh, he had a need. God met that need. He says, hey, thanks, God. I'm good. Oh, no, 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 no. You didn't need God when you had cancer. You need God when you're cancer-free. You don't need God when you're broke. You need God when you're flush with cash. You don't need God just when you're looking for a job. You need God when you got a job. We don't, God is not a spiritual 911 that you break the glass in case of emergency. It's just like, wow, I'm so glad that he was there for me when I needed him. No, 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 no. He's a daily reliance. That when I need God, I don't have to go looking for God to find out where he is. I've been spending time in the presence of God every day. It's just part of my regular life. It's just the normal way for me to go about life. So we trust by daily reliance. We trust by continued obedience. Faith is following God when it doesn't make sense. I don't really understand this, but I'm just going to trust God through this. I'm not really sure why God's doing things the way that he is, but I know that his ways are higher than my ways, and I'm just going to continue to walk in obedience. I'm just going to continue to do the right thing here. That's what trust looks like. Lack of trust is like, oh, I don't really know if I, if I trust this or not. I'm not really sure if I believe this to be so or not. But trust says, hey, I'm going to obey God. I'm going to do what's right because I believe that God is good to his word. Psalm 31, 11 In thee, O Lord, I do put my trust. Never let me be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness. God, I put my faith in you. Deliver me by my obedience. Righteousness, it means doing the right thing. Doing what God's commanded me to do. Man, when everything's upside down, you're not sure what's going on, man, just walk in obedience. You can't go wrong with that. I'm just going to trust God. I'm going to do what's right, and God will work out the details from there. We trust God by complete submission. God, I trust you not in just this one area of my life, but every area of my life. I I don't want what I want. I'm done with that. I just want what you want. I'm not trying to get my way. All I want is your way. My life is no longer mine. It's fully, completely, 100% submitted to you. Whatever you choose to do with it is completely and totally up to you. And let me just tell you, this is one of the best ways to live your life. Now, understand when you live your life in submission, God at some point is going to call you to do something that's uncomfortable. That's okay because you get to live a life that's submitted to God. And again, it just goes to show I trust God 
He's never disappointed me. He's never let me down, and he never will. But here's the great promise. Go back to our text in Psalm 37. Verse number four says this. So we take a look at what we need to do. We need to delight ourselves in the Lord, commit our way into him, and trust in the Lord. And here's what God says he'll do. Verse number four. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. So God promises. Again, promise. God will give you the desires of your heart. Now we're going to unpack this a little bit more next Sunday, exactly what that means for us. But we see God says, if you put me first, if you delight in me, I'm going to give you what your heart desires, because God desires to give you that which is good. Psalm 21, verse number one, the king shall joy in thy strength, O Lord, and thy salvation, how greatly shall he rejoice. Thou hast given him his heart's desire, and thou hast not withholden the request of his lips, Selah. See, here we see that God desires to give you that which is good. Again, we see that God delights in giving his children good things. Jesus says, which one of you being parents, if your kid asks for bread, you give him a rock? How many of your kids ask for a fish, you give him a snake? Of course you wouldn't do that. But he says, hey, if you can do that as carnal parents, Think of how good your heavenly father is. If you want something, here's what Jesus said to do. Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Hey, if you want something, ask for it. God's going to give you that which is good. And so again, we have to, again, by deductive reasoning, we have to say, if I ask God for something and he's going to give me what's good and I don't get what I asked for, then maybe that isn't what's good. Because God's promised to give me what's good. So again, God, if we trust in him, is going to take care of our need because he's a good father. He's going to give us as his children good things. Here's another promise of God. God will satisfy the deepest cravings of your heart. Again, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you what you want. Now, we misunderstand this sometimes. Like, oh, I, I really, I'm going to delight myself in the Lord so he'll give me that job that I want. That's not what it's talking about. Oh, I, I greatly desire to be married, so I'm just going to delight myself in the Lord and then I'll get married. That's not what it's talking about either. It's talking about when God becomes your delight, he becomes the desire of your heart. That's deep. We're going to have to unpack that next week, but I don't have time for it today. But God is not going to give you things that are not for your good. He's just not. My, look, I love my kids dearly. My daughter the other night asked what she wanted for dinner, and she said ice cream. I said, okay, that's fine. Because, get this, Kirkland brand super premium ice cream. If you've never had it from Costco, it'll change your life. <laughs> that's, not a, that's not a hyperbolic statement. It will change your life. No lie. Best vanilla ice cream you've ever had in your life. Costco super premium. Try it. So she said, can I have ice cream for dinner? We had Costco super premium? I said, yes. Then she says the next night, can I have ice cream for dinner? What was the answer? No, you can't. It was fun one time. You're not going to eat ice cream for dinner every night. You're a terrible parent. I don't think anybody would say that. You just say, hey, look, my 14-year-old doesn't understand what they really need right now. 
Now, did I make her eat broccoli? No, I'm not a terrible parent, and so I wouldn't <laughs> force that upon anybody. But it, hey, look, you can't have ice cream for dinner every night. Let's do something different tonight. Why? Because I'm a good father who desires good things for my children. God is the same way, and he wants to satisfy the cravings of your heart. We see verse number five, our theme verse for this year. This verse is going to carry us out through all 2023. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him. And here's the conditional promise that comes. And he shall bring it to pass. So God's going to bring it to pass. God's going to make it happen. Now some important caveats on that. It happens in God's time, not ours. Well, I really want this to happen. It may or may not happen in your timeline. More than likely, probably not. Understand this about God. If God takes his marching orders from you and God does everything you tell him to do in exactly the same timeline that you tell him to, exactly the way that you tell him to, God is no longer God. You are, and God is simply carrying out your wishes. Like some genie in a bottle. He doesn't work that way. God says, okay, you're asking for this. I know that's your desire. I may or may not give it to you, but I'm going to give you what's good. I'm going to give it to you in my timeline, and I just need you to trust in me. My kids have found that I, for me as a parent, I don't work well on a constricted timetable. Hey, Dad, you know, I want to, I want to do this, that, and the other. Okay, let me think about that. No, I've got to have an answer like right now. Okay, do you have to have an answer right now? The answer is no. I haven't had time to think about it, pray about it, you know, study this out, figure if this is good or bad or the other. If you need an answer right now, the answer is no. Generally, they'll say, okay, fine, we'll give you some time to think about it. Good. God can't be strong-armed into anything. God can't be forced into doing anything on our timeline. God, I need you to come through by midnight tonight. Otherwise, you know, I don't believe that you're real. God doesn't work like that because God has asked you, again, in this text right here, to just trust in him. Commit your way unto him. Hey, Lord, I got this situation. I don't know what's going on with it. I think, I think this is the best way to handle it. But if not, I trust you, and I'm just going to sit back and let you work it all out. And God will do whatever God does in his own time frame. Psalm 27, 14 tells us to wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. We're, we're in Psalms, so turn back to Psalm 27 with you in your Bible if you would. I want you to circle this verse because it's so important. <clears throat> Psalm 27, verse 14, I want you to circle that, star it, underline it in your Bible. Commit it to memory, probably. Here's what this verse says, and again, I don't have time to unpack all of it today. I want you to hear this, though. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And what will happen when you do that? He will strengthen your heart. So if you want your heart to be stronger, here's what you need to do. You need to wait and be of good courage. I'm going to wait with a good attitude, with a heart of expectancy, waiting for God to do something good, and God will strengthen my heart during the waiting period. You see, we're prone to, in the waiting period, to lose faith. I keep praying and praying and praying, and nothing, nothing's happening, nothing's coming together. I keep praying, and God's not moving, and God's not working. I don't know what's going to happen. But God says, no, 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 that waiting period is actually a strengthening period. 
It's a time for you to meditate and focus on the goodness of God and the Word of God and to strengthen your heart and be of good courage. This is a training time so that when God does come through, you're like, whoa, that was so awesome. It was better than I could have fathomed. It was better than I could imagine because I knew God was going to do that. That's what that waiting time, that strengthening time is. And because God is righteous and just, you can trust his plan. Psalm 37, 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Hey, just hang tight. God's going to work this out. If you're, if you're walking in righteousness, you're walking in holiness, you're trusting in the Lord, you've committed your way to him, he's going to bring it to pass. And you can wait on him, you can trust him, and whatever he does is going to be the right thing because he's always righteous and just. That shows a mark of maturity in the Christian life when you don't get what you want and you say, man, I'm just trusting God through this because he's got a bigger plan than this. And so many times I've seen guys and gals both in the military get passed over for promotion and their response is always an indication of where they're at spiritually. Oh, I can't believe I got passed over. There's these five knuckleheads I used to work with, and all five of them got promoted. I don't know what happened to me. I don't know what I got to do. I mean, for, I've given my life to this. And then the other folks are just like, man, I, this just gives me a new opportunity to serve and have a good attitude, and you know, I'm excited for what the next leg of the journey looks like. One of the men that was in our church, uh, they left man, probably five years or so ago. He had to retire, but he's in the military and basically got to the point in his career where if he didn't get advanced, he had to retire. And so... Uh, man, results are coming out. We prayed about it. We prayed that God's will would be done. Results came out. He did not get promoted, which meant he'd been in like 27 years, and he had to separate in like 90 days. And so uh, he came to me and uh, called me. He's like, hey, Pastor, I didn't get promoted. And I said, man, I'm sorry to hear that. And he was like, no, don't say that. He goes, we prayed that God's will would be done. Why would you say that? He rebukes me for being, being sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Praise the Lord you didn't get promoted. And so uh, he was like, no, I'm, I'm so excited about what ne the next leg of the journey looks like. I'm so excited for what God has ahead. I mean, I've been in the military for so long, I don't have to worry about where my paycheck's coming from or who's paying for my insurance or even what I'm supposed to do. But now, this next leg of the journey, I get to just walk by faith. I I'm so excited about this. And I thought to myself, I've never seen somebody get so pumped up about a failure to promote, like, ever. But you know what the difference was? Somebody who had committed their way into the Lord and was trusting in him. And man, God brought it to pass. And so, man, a guy still reaches out to me probably every six months or so. And says, oh, I was listening to the podcast and I heard this. And I was thankful for what God did in our life and, and who we call it. They live on the mainland now and stuff like that. But you talk about somebody just living by faith. God does the things for you when we trust in him that you can't do for yourself. God opens up doors that would normally be closed for you. God opens up opportunities that you wouldn't have never thought of. No life for, for me, if I was picking top 10 places I would love to live in the world, Honolulu wouldn't crack my top 10, probably not my top 50. But man, God opened up an opportunity here for us and opened up a door for us and showed us a need as we walked by faith. And God's given us this. And let me tell you this, my top 100 places to live in the world right now are Honolulu because like, there's nowhere else in the world I'd rather be. Because God has done something for me and my family that we couldn't have done for ourselves. He's given us a heart for a city that never really was our city to begin with. But he's given us a heart to know these people and love these people and see the, the kingdom of God impact this city. 
Why? Because we chose to trust in him and we committed our way to him. And he's bringing it to pass. And so, final thought here today, we see three things that Psalm 37 tells us to do. First of all, delight. If you're struggling with your joy as a Christian, fix that. It's going to make things a lot easier. The Christian life will go so much smoother when God is the source of your joy. Secondly, commit. Full commitment. 100%. I'm not holding anything back. I'm trusting God like I never have before. For some of you, you need to look at what commitment looks like for you in the year ahead. Some of you maybe need to be baptized. Some of you maybe need to commit to church membership. Some of you maybe need to begin tithing. Some of you maybe need to give to missions. Some of you maybe need to be committed to your church attendance. Maybe you need to join a small group. But God wants you to commit your whole life to him. People sometimes say, like, well, do I have to come twice a week on Sundays and twice on Sundays and once on Wednesday? You don't have to do anything. You really don't. But I believe if you delight yourself in the Lord, you'll desire to be with God's people. If you desire to grow, man, just commit your whole life to it. And somebody one time told me, show me in the Bible where it says we have to come to church three times a week. Well, if you really want to play that game, I'll point you back to the book of Acts where they said they, they gathered together daily. So technically, I can show you in the Bible where they met seven times a week, if that would help you. But again, somebody with an attitude like, show me in the Bible where it says we have to go to church. You miss the delight part. It's supposed to be a joy. It's supposed to be exciting. It's not supposed to be a drag. Commit. My whole life, everything belongs to God. And then lastly, I'm just going to trust in him. I'm going to sit back. I'm not carrying the burden anymore. He is. I've rolled my burden off onto him. I just get to sit back and see what he does. And here's the great part about it. When God does what God does, we can say our only responses to it is, Man, praise God for that. People say, oh, man, who we call it, man? God's really blessed your church. Man, praise God for that. You know what we've done? We just delighted ourselves in the Lord. We commit our way to him. We just trust in him, and whatever happens, happens. What that means is if our church attendance over the next 12 months goes up by 250, you know what we'll say? Praise God for that. We've just been delighting ourselves in the Lord and trusting God, and he's bringing it to pass. Or if our church attendance drops off by 100 this year, and we're still Trusting in the Lord, committing our way to Him. We're just going to say, man, praise God. He's going to bring it to pass. Because at the end of the day, it's not up to us to do anything other than obey. That's why, again, I love that old hymn. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. I have a feeling we'll probably sing that in the next few weeks. But I want to encourage you with this thought here today. Man, just trust in the Lord. You're carrying a burden today. God doesn't want you to carry that burden. He wants to carry it for you. And as he carries that burden for you, he just wants you to trust him. Well, Pastor, I don't know how all this stuff is going to work out. You don't have to worry about anything other than today. I'm just going to trust in God today, and tomorrow is going to take care of itself. Hey, I'm going to wake up one day, and it's going to be the middle of June, and if I'm doing this thing right, I've been walking with Jesus, trusting God for about six months or so. Because you see, if you trust God today and you trust God tomorrow, that Seven, next seven days is going to turn into a week, and weeks turn into months, and months turn into years. And then that's where God's work is done, as we trust in Him. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church Podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. 